You probably know by now that the Charlotte Hornets offense is suffering from a case of not being able to hit enough threes, but are they getting good looks? I'll take a look at the stats to see what we can figure out. Plus, the beat writer asks, so we will answer, is it time to panic? And we'll take a look at the game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. That's all ahead on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another solo show. I'm Doug Branson. You can find more of my work at everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm the founder of the podcast. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber. Support my work at everyhornetsboxscore.com. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. You prioritizing this podcast is helping continue, uh, helping us continue to make this work for you free and daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube. All right, so today on the show, I really want to kind of take this day off. The Hornets had a day off. They had a day off to kind of rethink things, recalibrate things, get a little step closer to being healthier, maybe not as big a step as I think a lot of fans are wanting right now. They're itching to see LaMelo ball, but they do get one step closer. Everyone gets a day off in the NBA, but now they are back at it. We're going to take a look later in the show at the matchup that the Hornets face tonight at home against the Portland Trailblazers. But first, I want to dig down, take this day off to dig down into some of the numbers uh, and, and figure out, we know that they're not shooting well from three. Uh, in, in fact, effective, and, and, and it's affecting the entire offense because cleaning the glass has them right now, effective field goal percentage, 49.9%. That's good for 28th in the league. The offense is suffering right now. Um, and it's due to the fact that in terms of three-point percentage, they're at 34% according to cleaning the glass. That's 23rd. Uh, in the league. And non-corner threes, 31.2%. That's 28th in the league. But what I really want to look at is, are the Charlotte Hornets getting good looks from three? Are they getting good looks overall on the floor? Is the sort of offensive structure the problem, or are we really looking at kind of a make-or-miss situation and possibly, obviously, not really possibly, obviously, you know, adding LaMelo Ball and his three-point percentage is going to help things. But are they, as currently constructed, getting good looks? Uh, so the first thing that I did is I went to cleaning the glass and I took a look at what they call localized effective field goal percentage, which is essentially, hey, taking how often the Hornets shoot at the rim from mid-range and three. are If we say that they shot league average from all of those places what would their effective field goal percentage look like? Because we know what it looks like in reality with how they're shooting. It looks bad. But if they shot league average, just their shot profile, they would rank 7th in the league in effective field goal percentage, 54.6%. But two things are happening. Number one, their percentage at the rim is not good. It's close to awful, 22nd in the league at 62.1%. That's a holdover from last season where they didn't shoot great at the rim. What's not a total holdover is how they're doing in the short mid. So we're talking floaters, we're talking little baby hooks, everything that doesn't happen right at the rim, layup style. They're dead last in the league, 31.5%, awful in the short mid. They're actually good in long mid, uh, but overall mid-range, because so much of it is short mid versus long mid, they don't take a lot of long two-point jump shots. 
um, their overall mid-range is 29th in the league. And then when you move to three, as I said, 23rd, and then 28th in non-corner threes. The crazy thing is that in terms of corner threes, they're sixth in the league at 44.4%. Now, if you remember back to that Washington game, it was missing corner threes that actually kind of sank them both offensively and defensively because it was leading to Washington transition points and really hurt the team they were missing corner threes. But overall in the year, that was kind of fluky because they've generally been good at corner threes. If you remember back to last season, uh, that was not the case for the Charlotte Hornets. They were not good from corner three. It was, And there were particular players who were just missing a lot of corner threes that typically didn't miss corner threes. So if you look at their overall shot profile – they are getting decent they're they're at least setting themselves up for decent looks but you know when you're 28th in offense and and really last in the league in offense over the last 2 weeks we got to look a little bit deeper than shot profile we got to go in we got to dig in and find out are they getting open three point opportunities are are they getting wide open three point opportunities how are they doing in those opportunities and then in terms of you know, two-point percentage, you got to look at kind of tight defensive coverage. How are they doing finishing through contact, finishing over tight D? So that's the next thing that I went and I took a look at, the player shooting dashboard numbers, uh, courtesy of NBA.com. Some really useful stuff in there. And to, so on a team level, I first looked at open three-point opportunities. How many of those are they getting? And in terms of frequency, they rank 12th in the NBA, so above average. They're getting open three-point looks. How are they shooting them? (laughs) Not as good. 19th in the league, 32% on open threes as a team. Um, That's that's not good enough to get it done uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. And so I went and I looked a little deeper into the players. And I said, all right, three-point percentage, on open threes, who's doing it, who's not. Uh, up at the top of the list in terms of percentages, Dennis Smith, but he doesn't take a lot. He's shooting 50% on open jumpers. Jalen McDaniels, if you look at the trend line, which we're going to do in the second segment, it's been going down for him, but he was doing it so well early in the season that it's sitting at 46.2%. That's good for second on the team among major rotation players. Gordon Hayward next. Terry Rozier, 37.5% on open threes, not not good enough. Kelly Oubre, 34.3%. We've seen some high highs and some low lows in terms of Kelly shooting, but 34% on open jumpers, not good enough. Here's where it gets really bad, though. P.J. Washington, 27.6% on open three-point jump shots. James Booknight, 14.8%. And by the way, P.J., that's on 2.6 attempts. James Booknight, 14.8% on 2.5 three-point field goal attempts per game. Most of that coming from earlier in the season as he's decided to stop taking as many three-point shots. Probably a good call on his part. But the Hornets need P.J. Washington, Kelly Oubre, and Terry Rozier specifically to start knocking down wide-open jump shots. Because as I said... They're getting them. They're getting the open looks. They're just not hitting them. Uh, and they have to. This is not an offense that can get away with not being able to knock down those jump shots. Uh, in terms of wide open threes, they're not getting a ton of them. Uh, that's their 25th in frequency there. Uh, Portland, interestingly, the uh, team that they play later uh, later tonight, they're 26th in the league at getting wide open threes, so they don't get a ton of them either. Uh, but the Hornets are actually shooting well on those wide open jump shots. So maybe the thing to take away here is that on open jump shots, 
they have to knock those down where there's a little bit of defense happening. And they probably need to generate a few more wide open looks so that maybe needs to be a little bit more ball movement. And when it goes to the paint, it needs to come out a little bit more instead of going up and getting blocked or turning it over as much as they've done when they drive the basketball. And so finally, the the final thing that I want to look at in terms of are the Hornets generating enough good looks and what are they doing when they get those good looks? When you look at three-point percentage for tight D, uh, they're they're 13th in frequency, so they're probably shooting maybe a little bit too much in tight D, and they're 20th in uh, percentage there, 27.8%. So they're not knocking down the tough three-point opportunities as well. And you got to look at guys that are notably... Uh, notable for doing that. That's Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre. Uh, Gordon Hayward has not been very good this season. Uh, wide open three-point shots percentage is not very good. Tight uh, shots, not very good. So Gordon has to pick it up when he gets back. But that's where LaMelo Ball would help. I mean, shooting three-pointers over tight D, That's he made he made his money last season doing that. And so, you know, I look at that statistic particularly. If they can go from 20th to 15th, you know, with LaMelo Ball, when LaMelo Ball returns, that could be big uh, for the Charlotte Hornets defense. Finally, uh, I wanted to look at uh, tight D effective field goal percentage overall because that's going to give us some indication as to what they're doing at the rim. And that there, they're 25th in the league in tight D effective field goal percentage. Um, That's just, you know, simply not enough to get it done. And you look at the players that are doing well for the Hornets, it's Nick Richards and Mason Plumley actually need to do a little bit better, especially Plumley, who's 55% from uh, two-point range. That's not good enough for a center, for especially for a starting center. Uh, but then Terry Rozier, here's the big one, 8.5 two-point field goal attempts. He's shooting 41.2% against tight D. That has to change. Um, it, that's mid-range. That's at the rim. Terry Rozier is trying to do too much right now, but he's not doing enough offensively uh, to really – uh, help this team in an efficient way, and you're talking about mar- you're talking about margins at this point because they're losing close games. Okay, we're going to take a look at much more in this episode. Rod Boone had some interesting uh, player quotes uh, and asking the question: Is it too early to panic? I want to read a couple of those quotes. I want to talk about: Is it too early to panic? And maybe look at some trend stats as well from cleaning the glass. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends at LinkedIn, and they've been supporting this show uh, for a long time now. And these days, look, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. I own a small business. I know all about that. I hire contractors all the time, and you never know if you're getting uh, somebody good or somebody goofy. It's really tough, and you got to dig in. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and free. All you have to do is add your job, and then you add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. It's simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can essentially quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. No more you know, stacks of you know, paper resumes. It's not it. It's the future. It's the year 2000. It's LinkedIn jobs. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. More ahead here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. 
are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. David. The show's barely been on. How are these injuries going to affect the Hornets' ability to beat the Miami Heat? I'm going to go get some more buttermilk while you talk about it. (laughs) Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. Make sure your next next listen is Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Unfortunately, you don't have to go too far uh, beyond the scoreboard to understand what's going on with the Charlotte Hornets right now. You really just have to look at the injury report. Still missing LaMelo Ball. He hasn't played a game in the regular season due to a ankle sprain that he suffered in the preseason against the Washington Wizards. It's been, you know, roughly in the four-ish weeks zone. Uh, grade two ankle sprain, so not the worst ankle sprain, but not the easiest to come back from. I mean, you saw Dennis Smith Jr. turn his ankle and, and come back the next game, but obviously every ankle injury is different. His, you know, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. was able to shoot around and play. Now he shot, I think, one of 11 from the field, so, you know, maybe he came back a little bit early. Who knows? Uh, but, he, I mean, he looked pretty good. looked like he was moving around good out there. And and then Terry Rozier did not miss as many games so far. But LaMelo continues to miss games. I think Hornets fans right now, as I look across the uh, Hornets fandom spectrum across the Internet, it looks like p- p- people are getting frustrated with not getting enough information about what's going on with this injury uh, because we keep hearing getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. Uh, and honestly, I can hear it in the voices of the of the of of Dell and Eric when they talk about it. It's like, uh, uh, you know, that's all we can tell you is it's getting closer. And it's it's uh, there's some frustration that's just sort of woven into, I think, what amounts to a lack of communication about timeline and which is, I guess, lack of communication about timeline. You're not going to be bothered by that if it's about. P.J. Washington, if it's about Teo Maladon, if it's about Dennis Smith Jr., you know, those are role players, important pieces. But ultimately, we're talking about the future of the franchise and the mellow ball and somebody that is actually essential to, to your season this season, which you seem to be focused on. I mean, Mitch Kupchak has talked about wanting to exceed what they did last season, which was 43 wins and a play in berth. So, you know, he is super important and he is the guy, honestly, you know, if we're being honest, he's the guy that draws people into the arena. Uh, so Rod Boone asks in the Charlotte Observer, is it too early to panic? I don't know if it's ever too early to panic, honestly. I feel like a little panic is good. A lot of panic, yeah, maybe don't do not do a lot of panic. But I feel like the Hornets maybe not panicking enough. If the goal is to make the playoffs, it, that's their stated goal. It's the only thing we've really heard is from Mitch Kupchak saying he wanted to exceed what they did last season, 43 wins and a play-in berth. That they're always looking to advance. Okay, that's what he said. That's what he said. And I don't feel like they're panicking enough. I mean, I think a little panic can be good. Uh, There was a funny quote. I I thought it was funny in the article. This is from PJ Washington. He says, we are just pushing through. That's all it is. We've got to come out with the same attitude and mentality each and every night. In this league, you can lose 10 in a row and then win five straight. So that's how, that's just how it goes. (laughs) The funny part in that is if you lose 10 in a row and you win five straight, you are five games below 500. So I think in in trying to point out, I think he points out something fair, which is that, you know, you can go on streaks. 
Um, and the two, as I said in the last episode, the two teams that uh, Steve Clifford has shepherded into the playoffs in Charlotte both had some late season runs in them. Like it didn't all start out uh, beautifully and they, they learned and they got better and they got healthier and then they got streaky at the end and made, made their run to the playoffs. So he has a point there. It's just... <laughs> You probably don't want to. You probably don't want to lose ten in a row and then win five straight and keep doing that for the rest of the season. You will find yourself. Uh, maybe you do. Maybe uh, maybe you're listening right now and go, "Hey, wait, PJ's got a point." If you do that, you you're going to be a little bit closer uh, than the Utah Jazz are right now to the Women Yama sweepstakes. <laughs> you you might have a chance at getting a generational player in this draft, whether it be Women Yama or Scoot Henderson. Uh, but I think the point is that the the players aren't panicking. And I, w- I want to get to that in, in a minute. But but first, I want to look at some of the trends as we continue to kind of look at, at stats. I think it's important when you're talking about whether or not it's time to panic yet that you start to look at some trends and, and, you, and you start to say, all right, it is 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 this something that's capable of rebounding? Did it look good at once and now it's it's looking poor? Or, you know, is this something that's just like across the board bad? Um, so I go to Cleaning the Glass, uh, great website, great opportunity to kind of look at some trend lines here. But first I'm looking at uh, the points per shot attempt for a lot of these players. And you can see that on the season, we've got enough of a sample size right now to make some kind of determinations. And right now, points per shot attempt, if I sort it, um, if I sort it by that, let's take a look at points per shot attempt and the players that have been uh, over and above and beyond what what they should be doing in points per shot attempt have been Teo Maladon at 120 points per shot attempt. He just doesn't take a lot. His usage percentage is almost dead last in the league. Nick Richards, same thing. Below average usage percentage, great points per shot attempt. Gordon Hayward, the one player so far, uh, though he is still injured, who has a high usage percentage and, and slightly above average points per shot attempt. But then you look down the line, Jalen McDaniels, 30th percentile in points per shot attempt. Kelly Oubre, 28th percentile. Mason Plumley, 24th percentile. By the way, I mean, this is, if you want to see like what is frustrating fans about the Nick Richards versus Mason Plumley, this is it, right? That Mason Plumley is above average in his usage percentage, point Plumley. He's getting the ball a lot more in his hands and doing a lot more with it than centers typically do. And his points per shot attempts is 114.1, which is 24th percentile among bigs. Going back to that, uh, to those stats that I was talking about, his two point field goal percentage against ID, not good. He's turning the basketball over a lot. 17.3 turnover percentage, that's 31st percentile. That's way below average for a big. He shouldn't be turning it over as much. But then you look at the assist percentage, 24.5%, assist to usage, 1.4. Those are like tops in the league for a big. And that's, I, I mean, if you're looking for a reason why Mason Plumley continues to play for Steve Clifford, that may be it, that they just feel like his passing opens things up in an offense that is missing a lot of ball handlers because that's Nick's weakness. He doesn't pass the ball a lot, and but he doesn't turn the ball over a lot especially on the offensive end, although recently he's gotten a case of the bobbles. He's got to figure that out. But points per shot attempt for Nick Richards, 128.8. So I think there's still an argument to be had there that Nick Richards should be starting over Mason Plumley. But going back to these points per shot attempt numbers, here it is. Terry Rozier, top usage player over four games now. He hasn't played a ton of games. But top usage rate in the league at 32.2%. There's your evidence that he might be doing a little too much because his points per shot attempt is under 100 
at and that's 21st percentile among combo guards. And I think it would be low even if you designated him a point guard, which is really the role um, that he's been playing. But I want to look at just quickly um, some trend lines for a few players. Let's look at P.J. Washington. Let's head over to the trend lines for him. And game score, good indicator of how much you're contributing a game. You can see P.J. Washington got off to a huge game score start at 17.4, but it quickly fell into somewhere like above his position average, but below the season. His season average is above the position average for game score. So he is doing some things, but it fell off pretty precipitously from his hot start. And so, you know, he has his... His shooting needs to be better, but overall he's been able to contribute. Dennis Smith, in terms of his trend line, uh, game score, again, has been trending down. He's regressing to the mean. It started out hot, way above his position average. It's now fallen below his season average over the past couple of games, significantly below his season average over the past couple of games, past three games, and way below um, his position average. So Dennis Smith Jr. falling back uh, in, in towards reality a little bit. Jalen McDaniels, somebody that we've talked a lot about on this show. His defense is super important for this team. But in terms of his offense, you can see, again, big, big, uh, big hump here at the beginning of the season and then um, slopes way down towards his season average um, in terms of game score. And then if I look for him at three-point percentage, because I think that's a big deal, look at that. It slopes way up at the beginning of the season, and then it's like just a cliff down towards his position average and season average. So Jalen McDaniels is just becoming the player that we probably thought he was at the beginning of the season. Mason Plumley, in terms of his trend lines, um, his game score has come way down. He's become way, in terms of effective field goal percentage, um, it's back down to season average, playing slightly above to his credit. Um, and then, you know, again, the assist there, a big number for Mason. Um, James Booknight, if we take a look, I mean, his points per shot attempt right now is last in the league, 75.3 point, uh, points per shot attempt, even though his usage is getting the ball a lot um, when they go to those all bench lineups. Um, so that hasn't been good. Kelly Oubre. Let, there's an interesting, I think this is the most interesting trend line and what I'll end with here. Kelly Oubre, uh, basically, Mr. I mean, there's been some high highs and some low lows, but generally his trend line has been consistent. He's the, he's the same player, probably needs to step it up a little bit, but above his position average for game score, uh, his three-point percentage, which is, you know, I would love to look. I don't think they have three-point attempts here. They just have percentage for these trend lines. But I'd love to take a look at his three-point attempts because I think it's probably below his position average. Uh, that's where it gets starts to get a little wonky in terms of the trend line. It's been up and down for his three-point percentage. But that's it. That's Tsunami Poppy. That's, that's kind of the way it goes. So there are some trend lines for you. Uh, if you haven't taken a look at the YouTube channel yet, um, you can do that. If you don't have access to those numbers, you can take a look at those um, trend lines. So let's head back out here and uh, talk about one more quote from this too early to panic article from PJ Washington asking about some of the shooting numbers, dipping and diving. He says that happens some nights, uh, said PJ Washington, who led them with 25 points. Some nights you make them all. Some nights you miss them all. Some nights some of them go in. Some of them don't. That's just the game of basketball. Right now, they're not going in as much as they need to offensively for the Hornets. Um, this this whole season has been flip-flop from last season where they were dominant offensively 
and they were not playing as well defensively. Right now, defensively, overall on the season, they're 10th in the league, 16th over the past two weeks, though it's starting to slip. But the offense, it's it's pretty clear. They're missing LaMelo Ball. They're missing their most important player offensively. Uh, he is their only all-star and um, you know they need they really need to get him back sooner than than later if they really uh, if he's really close if he's super close you know I, I think at some point you have to start making some estimations about how deep of a hole you're going to dig yourself into especially when you're looking at Portland uh, who who we're going to talk about in the next segment good team Miami struggled this season uh, but they're they're just built to beat the Charlotte Hornets they're super athletic uh, and, and they can play big. Uh, and they have a coach in Eric Spolstra who um, has seen the Charlotte Hornets a lot, saw this team a lot last season, knows how to game plan against them. So that's going to be um, super difficult. All right, coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast, we will talk about this game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. Quick preview. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at betonline.net. This episode is brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. They're my number one source. Honestly, I go there every time uh, for every hornetsboxscore.com to check out what the line is. And the line for this game, I'll go ahead and give it away against the Portland Trailblazers. The Hornets it's dogs plus four and a half in this one. It's not plus five. I'll say that uh, giving them a little bit of uh, probably a half a point home advantage for the Charlotte Hornets against the Blazers, but it is two possessions. Uh, so <laughs> that'll factor into the preview for sure. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts so much more ahead, including a preview of this game against the Portland Trailblazers. That's coming up. This is Locked on Hornets. We got a couple of rookies here. I got David spreading fake news. Guess what? Four championship games in a row. Continuous success, sustainability. I've got Steve Bob not plugging in his headphones. Which I would love to see JaVale McGee. Uh, you know, get out there on the ice velodrome or whatever you call those things. This is a professional show we're trying to run here. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. Maybe it's your first watch on YouTube. Good time uh, to go subscribe to us uh, after this episode is done. If you're listening, uh, make sure to check us out on YouTube. Even if you don't decide to watch on YouTube all that much, just giving us a a subscription over there on YouTube uh, really helps the show achieve what it wants to achieve here. So let's get into this game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. Again, the Hornets trying to get off the schneid uh, and get off of this five-game losing streak. It's going to be difficult against a Portland team that right now is 7-3. and three. They started off super hot, um, and they've cooled off a little bit, and they've been a little bit sort of wonky in terms of win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. They, In fact, the past seven games, they've alternated win-loss, 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 and guess what? Their last game against the Miami Heat, they won it. 
So if you're looking for a little, uh, you know, a, a nice little signal there that perhaps uh, the Blazers trend can continue while the Hornets trend stops, they're due for a loss. The Hornets think they're due for a win at this point, hopefully. And and really, if you look at the reason why they've alternated win-loss, win-loss, if you dig a little deeper, their offense uh, has really kind of come off and on. And it hasn't necessarily been against like great defenses versus bad defenses. They've just sometimes they shoot the basketball super well, and sometimes they don't. And that's really across the board. Dame Lillard, uh, Simons. I mean, they've got shoot. They've got enough shooting on the team. It's just sometimes you know going back to that PJ Washington quote. You know, sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's a make or miss league, baby. So you know the Hornets hopefully. Uh, can can get one of those Blazers nights where where they are off. Uh, right now, a player to watch, sort of an X factor in this game for Portland is Josh Hart. Haven't heard a lot about Josh Hart um, since his time in L.A., but he is uh, really having a great start. And offensively, in terms of his efficiency, he's getting the ball in his hands a little bit more, and he's doing great things with it. So the Hornets have to figure out a way uh, to – Slow Damian Lillard down. That's obviously going to be the biggest challenge. And this is another matchup where you're facing somebody that you really have to take your whole defense and key in on that player, Damian Lillard. But at the same time, be responsible enough to make sure that you're covering Simons, that you're covering Josh Hart, that you're not allowing those sort of uh, other starters and some fringe players like Nas Little to come in and dominate you. Because that's what happened. You know, KD passed up the ball. They got KD to pass. They got KP to pass. Will they get Damian Lillard to pass the ball? And then once Damian Lillard passes the ball, can the defense recover enough, get back to the shooters enough to get the W? That's that's going to be a big thing to watch in this one. But it's, I think it's all going to be about three-point shooting. The Hornets have to get more of it. They cannot expect to beat the Portland Trailblazers and not hit three-point uh, shots. I mean, we can't have another Chicago. We can't have another Washington where it's you dominate in the paint. You dominate in second chance. Honestly, you might not even dominate in fast break points because Portland plays super fast. They love to play fast. They love to get up and down. This one's going to be, could be a lot of points scored if the Hornets finally get this offense moving in gear. The big matchup, obviously, Damian Lillard versus Dennis Smith Jr. Smith Jr. has been awesome defensively. Again, it makes up for some of the trend line slide down on offense for for Dennis Smith Jr. So hopefully um, he can make his way back up. Uh, And finally, on that line that I mentioned, four and a half for uh, the Charlotte Hornets. They are uh, home doggies at four and a half. Am I taking the bet? Uh, No, this offense has to prove it. Uh, This offense at this point, before you would bet, especially before. I mean, they were I think they were favorites. They were two. I believe two or three point favorites against Washington at home against a defense in Washington that was has not played very well this season and they couldn't do it. Uh, so, you know, there, there have been, I think, you know, I think there have been certain players in the locker room that have had excuses. And then Kelly Oubre has taken a lot of ownership. I think Terry Rozier has taken a lot of ownership of what, uh, what has happened, uh, but they have to play better. You know, they have to shoot better. Uh, they have to, especially on the wide open jump shots, they have to knock them down. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, I think he has to keep shooting through it. He has to keep believing. You can't lose belief. At the point you lose belief, whether it's James Booknight or Jalen McDaniels or Dennis Smith Jr. with a three-point shot, if you start to lose belief, when these start, when these players start coming back, when Lamelo Ball starts coming back, Gordon Hayward starts coming back, that's what you have to look at. What play, in terms of what players are going to lose spots in the rotation? What players are you, are you going to depend on less? It's going to be the players that through this conflict, that through 
you know, this period of the season that got rough, who lost belief, who stopped shooting, who stopped playing hard, who stopped going for loose balls. You know, that's that's really what you have to look at, and hopefully those players um, can maintain. So going back to the second segment, like, is it time to panic? It's getting there. I mean, it, honestly, because, again, the beginning part of this season for the Charlotte Hornets in terms of the schedule was supposed to be some of the lightest work that they had to do. This was an opportunity for the Hornets to get off to a great start. Injuries obviously uh, you know, put uh, the lid on that a little bit. But at the same time, there have been winnable games in this five-game losing streak. Uh, that the Hornets should have taken care of business. That's the other thing. The one other thing about Portland, this, this is a tough team. They're scrappy. They're clutch. A lot of that leaks down from Damian Lillard. You know, I think there's a big, there's kind of a big contrast in this game right now so far. Damian Lillard, who has come up time after time in the clutch, and you don't have a player in LaMelo Ball that could do that for you. And Terry Rozier, somebody that is a certified gamer who has done that in years past, has come in with so many of these injuries. He's come in, he's trying to do too much, and he hasn't been able to come up in the clutch for the Charlotte Hornets yet. But every every day, every game presents us with a new opportunity to watch something new, to watch something exciting happen. So who knows? Maybe I jump on live excited again like I did against Golden State because the Hornets have taken down another Western Conference powerhouse. They did it before. They did it before. Maybe they can do it again. We'll see against Portland tonight. Uh, make sure to check out everyhornetsboxscore.com for the game notes. Walker Mail, my typical co-host, rejoins the show tomorrow that for the, the recap on this Portland game. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Uh, so we'll, we'll recap the game tomorrow and, and then look at some more uh, uh, numbers, some more notes, some more news as we continue on in this week. For your second listen today, make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Walker Mail, I'm Doug Branson saying go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.